Good morning, folks. Today is January 25th. It is Wednesday, which means only one thing. It's Worldwide Wednesday. We'll get into that in a few minutes, but let me welcome you to the show. Welcome, everybody, today to episode number 289 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, Amanu Ba. Alana Boyajan, Greg Dustoff, Matthew Necci, George Watala, and the rest of the Simply Cyber community are going to be shredding through the top cyber news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories and what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. There's going to be massive value. And it's all about good times in here. So settle in, get comfy, grab a coffee if you need it. Because once the train leaves the station, <laughs> you're not going to want to go... Get, get, get that coffee, okay? Now, before we dig into all the good stuff, I do want to take a moment and thank the show's sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see I'm right here on Barricade Cyber's website. Eric Taylor's calendar is right here. You want to hop on that calendar? It's as easy as clicking over here, clicking a time and jumping in. Don't be intimidated. Don't be like, well, I don't, I don't really know what to talk to Eric about. If you don't know what to talk to Eric about, trust me, Eric knows what you need to talk about about getting yourself set up for success in the event of a ransomware incident. Go check out Barricade Cyber. Trust me, you'll be happy that you did. Also want to say shout out and much love to Recon InfoSec, Eric Capuano, Whitney Champion, the gang over there. If you're in need of a service that provides your organization with 24-7 managed detection and response, MDR services, then you should seriously consider Recon InfoSec. Their transparent offering includes the people process technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Any size. I can't reiterate that enough. They provide direct access to Recon's team of experienced analysts, engineers, architects. They have fully managed SIM and SOAR. Like, they come in, they onboard you. All their your endpoints all of a sudden are pushing telemetry to their SIM. The magic happens. You sit back breathe then with mdr this is the best part with mdr you typically mdr is perfect for organizations that need help but can't like like fund an entire office so you get mdr you get onboarded you breathe a sigh of relief and then this is the best part you can actually look forward at your other initiatives your important projects your risk reducing uh initiatives like rolling out mfa or getting, you know, moving up from on-prem exchange up to the cloud. I know that's an IT thing, but InfoSec's very concerned about that, right? And then you don't have to worry about your backside, your hospital gown opening up and being exposed if you are picking up what I'm putting down. Recon InfoSec's MDR offering is going to help you with that. And unlike other kind of like bigger commodity malware, um, MDR services, which I'm not going to name and shame, um, Recon InfoSec actually... 
does valuable work. A lot, a lot of these MDRs will get alerts, and then they'll send you a like a daily digest of like what they saw. That's not really useful. That doesn't re <laughs> that doesn't reduce risk. That just puts it back on your plate. All right, everybody. I want to remind you that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Document that you're here. It stacks up two and a half a week, ten a month. Check with your certif cybersecurity certification body's policies. But I looked at ISAC and I see it squeeze ISC squared, and I felt pretty good about what I saw. So I'm taking credits for these. All right. I. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay the live. We're at 94, 101. We just broke triple digits. Nice. Um, thanks for being here so much. Thanks for helping us with Worldwide Wednesday, my favorite segment of the week. Again, if you're on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. Thanks so much for being here. Now, guys, my favorite part, Worldwide Wednesday. Before we launch into Worldwide Wednesday, I want to tell everybody, because this is really cool, Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning. The international, so worldwide, online training solution that professionals in audit, cybersecurity, and IT can turn to for binge-worthy content. Use promo code SIMPLYCYBER30 to get 30% off your first month or first year of service. I've got the code right there on TV. I've been using IT Pro to learn IoT pen testing, and it has been sick. I'm telling you guys, like, like people in chat, comment if you if you have a thought. The quality of IT Pro TV learning and content is awesome. It's like it's like really, really nice. I'm enjoying it. All right, so thanks IT Pro for sponsoring the segment, guys. Here's the deal. I'm gonna roll the clock back. Two minutes. Tell me where you're at, and let's see if we can rock the world. Here we go. Where are you at? I see Canada, Niagara Falls, very nice. Illinois, US, got you. Texas, Texas in the house. Louisiana, nice. Oh, Virginia, uh, mods, I'm gonna need help. UK, I see UK. Mods, I need help here. Indy, India, nice India, thank you for Asia. Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Listening to Outcast earlier today. What's up Chattanooga, hey Santa Clara. What's up South Carolina, go Gamecocks. South Africa in the house, bringing Africa online. Very nice. New York, Big Apple. What up, Jersey? Kenya. Kenya. Oh, Kenya. Nailed you. We got you, Kenya. Pakistan. We got you, Pakistan. Easton, PA. Nice, dude. I used to have property in Easton, PA. The Crayola factory's all up in Easton, PA. Afghanistan's in the house. Is that James Driscoll? Oh, Justin Gold. There we go. Dominican Republic. Sorry, uh, I put Dominican Republic, Leonardo, and Haiti by accident. Barbados, Afghanistan's in the house. We got you. Nigeria, Lagos. Nigeria's online. Do we have Australia? Internal stranger, you in here? UK, I got you. China, big footprint. Australia, whoop, whoop, whoop. Where's our, do we got South America? Come on, South America. North Florida in the house. Australia, we got you. England, UK, we got you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, let's bring on the South America. Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Peru, Colombia, Venezuela. Where are you at, Uruguay? Ah, where are you at, Bolivia? Oh, six seconds, four seconds, three seconds. Oh, all right. 
Well, we almost, we almost got it. Matthew Necci, we got someone from Sweden? All right, we'll mark Sweden. I hate to be uncultured, but where's Sweden? Sweden! Oh, it's this big one. <laughs> All right, way to go, Tampa. Oh, uh, Adam V said Brazil. All right, can we get a confirmation on this one? Can we get a confirmation? Oh, uh, can we get confirmation on Brazil? It's in the, it's in the Nords. Oh, thank you. Guys, we're just pausing for a minute to see if we can confirm um, Brazil. Hungry? All right, we're, we're not taking new ones right now. We're trying to confirm whether or not we got Brazil. Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. We'll give it a couple more seconds. Can anyone scrub and see it? All right, I'll leave it here for now. Mods, if you can. Uh, we'll take it back. Obviously, I've got the Black Hills InfoSec shirt on today. I wanted to represent South Dakota. Oh, he used the flag emoji? All right, let's investigate. I mean, I appreciate the flag emoji, but that's like an extra layer of decoding. Uh, no, I don't see it. All right. All right, let's do it then. All right, guys, congratulations. Well, we're gonna take credit for this one. We're gonna take credit for this one. We'll, we'll say we went around the world, but there'll be like an asterisk on it until we can go back and count the receipts and confirm that Brazil was actually on, effectively online. Wanna say thank you to all of you, internal stranger. Uh, China, what, Asia coming correct today. Uh, Africa also with three three countries online. Let's get into the news, but guys, great job today. A lot of fun. Again, special thanks to um, uh, IT Pro for sponsoring the segment. God, I love this segment. It's so cool. All right. So sit back, relax. Oh, look at this. Talk about Worldwide Wednesday. Pakistan leads the stories. All right, so Brazil was online. We totally did it. Wiping out the asterisk. All right, guys, sit back, relax. And let's enjoy the hot takes on this hot news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Pakistani authorities investigating if cyber attack caused nationwide blackout. On Tuesday, <laughs> Pakistan's energy minister, Karam Dastgur Khan, said that there was a remote chance that Monday's nationwide blackout, which left millions without power, was caused by hackers. While cyber attacks on power grids are relatively rare, power outages have recently become common in Pakistan due to an ongoing economic crisis and last year's devastating floods. Khan said that power across Pakistan was fully restored within 24 hours and that the root cause of the outage is still being investigated. Yeah. I mean, okay, so here's my thing. Pakistan, as they pointed out, um, and hey, we've got someone in chat from Pakistan, so please uh, chime in if you want. Um, I'm not sure of the, like Pakistan's uh, energy grid, uh, I'm not sure what the uh, the integrity is of it built, right? So, uh, you know, if it, so there is a chance that it could have physical security failures, okay? So one thing that's really important to note is that in the world of cybersecurity or information security, if you're old and gray like me, 
there are different types of threats, right? There's environmental threats. There are natural threats, right? So environmental isn't a hurricane. That's natural. Environmental is like mounting an air conditioner above a server rack and then it drips down on it or something stupid like that. Or uh, when I was in Antarctica, there's like zero humidity, right? So you can get static um, across the, the circuit boards. and So you have to like pump in humidity, okay? So these are environmental threats. Then there are natural threats like hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, etc. And then there's human threats, which is like 90% of what we talk about all the time because those are sophisticated threat actors, humans, social engineering, you know, hackers on keyboards, right? That's what we talk about most of the times. But you have to be mindful. If you're going to be comprehensively implementing InfoSec across a program or a business or an org or whatever, you've got to think about people, process, technology, but you also have to think about human, environmental, and natural. This right here sounds like a natural threat. They mentioned that Pakistan has been getting flooded all over the place and that that may uh, lead to why they've been having these uh, uh, power failures across their grid. I, I, I find it a little sensational that they said there's a remote chance. There's a remote chance. What, what does that mean? Like from a threat intel perspective, that sounds like low confidence, right? So then why are they throwing this against the, um, why are they throwing this against the wall? You know what I mean? Um, as they pointed out, energy grid attacks aren't that common. I mean, you you are really poking the bear if you take down a country's energy grid. I know Russia did it to Ukraine in 2014, and that was scary. But for the most part, it does not happen. If I had to guess, I would think this is more related to a physical failure of uh, the energy grid. But they throw it out there like if there's a remote chance. We'll see. Um, if they continue to have issues, that would be a problem. And I would imagine that they're going to do an investigation. Pakistan, interesting. Here's an interesting thing. Pakistan actually does have some like nation state threat cyber capabilities, but I've been led to believe that that's more from them purchasing like zero day weapons, like, like a, like a, you know, like buying a weapon instead of developing it in country, in house with their own talent and stuff like that. So that's just a little side uh, thing. So be mindful. This I don't think this is going to amount to much else, but um, they are investigating it. More of a sensational headline simply because they think there's a remote chance and they've been having flooding and have they've had other blackouts. So FBI identifies hackers behind Horizon Bridge crypto theft. Now we're talking. The FBI confirmed on Monday that North Korea-backed Lazarus Group and APT38 were responsible for the theft of $100 million in crypto from Harmony Horizon Bridge back in June. The attack leveraged a campaign that social-engineered crypto company employees into downloading rogue applications. The FBI said that just two weeks ago, threat actors laundered over $60 million worth of Ethereum stolen during the June heist. A chunk of the stolen funds has been frozen in coordination with virtual asset service providers. Oh my God. Okay, Go so a couple things, you know, um, simply because I don't get to use the sounder enough. All right. So, and also, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. So the FBI uh, has confirmed. Now, I want to say, like, this isn't the movies, okay? This isn't the movies where, like, there's like a, like, you know, the detectives got a gut feeling, so then they come out and say it was North Korea. No, like one of the pro, like one problem that a lot of people have with the FBI is that they move slowly. However, having said that. 
it, they're not moving slowly. They just need to get all of the information, all of the evidence, have an argument, have a claim, have, have a case to be made. When FBI is saying North Korean hackers did this, they have the receipts. They know that they can point to evidence and show that, yes, Lazarus Group was, in fact, the um, culprit behind this attack. So that's awesome, first of all. Second of all, um, Lazarus Group, really well-known threat actor group. If you don't know about Lazarus Group, absolutely Google them. It's written right here, Lazarus Group, also called APT38. They say here, Blue Noroff Copernicium and Stardust Kalimimia or whatever. Just as a quick pause, because this really chaps my... Okay, so if you're not... If you're new to cybersecurity or you haven't you haven't heard this yet, because this this confused the crap out of me, uh, and I was like I was in the industry for like years, and 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 I still like just accepted this as a as confusion. Listen, security vendors, right, love to name threat actor groups their own moniker. There is, and I've railed it about this on the show six months ago or whatever, but it really just chaps me. Listen. Lazarus Group is Lazarus Group, right? APT38 is Lazarus Group. Now, I will give some latitude to Lazarus Group because they've been called Lazarus Group forever and everybody knows them as APT38. I mean, everybody knows them as Lazarus Group, not these other things. Security vendors, your Mandiants, your FireEyes, your Carbon Blacks, your Sentinel Ones, right? Like all these big D um, security vendors they want to have their own naming convention, right? They want it to, like, I think it makes it harder for people to evaluate products because they're like, oh my gosh, this product protects from blue Noroff. I didn't see the other one protecting from blue Noroff. It's not, it's, 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 they're all synonyms. They're all pseudonyms for the same freaking threat actor. I hate, I hate, I hate. I don't know why it pisses me off, but like, can we have a standard naming convention? We've got enough problems protecting our businesses from threat actors. Can we have a can we have a standard naming convention so we can all talk about the same thing? It's annoying. Like there's no there is no reason. There's no reason for us to do this and confuse ourselves. Like like why? Because you want to flex and be the person who named the threat actor group? Bollocks. Just just freaking have a naming convention. We can all agree like I get APT, like APT 38, APT 41. That's not sexy, right? But like, I don't know. Like, let's get a, like a international naming committee together. The InfoSec people could run it, right? We could have like John Strand, Alyssa Knight, Leslie Carhart, Rob Lee. Like, let's get the elders together and then give them all the threat actors and then have them come out with names, right? That'd be fun, but at least they would all be standard naming convention. Okay, that's enough on... Enough on that. I really hate. That's like, that is a button. Microsoft RDP open to the internet and, and, and no vulnerability logos. And this are really piss me off. All right. Tidbit, tidbit Wednesday. Okay. So here's the thing. You should Google Lazarus group. They are a financially motivated North Korean state sponsored threat actor group. And, um, they they steal money all the time, right? And but they need to launder the money, and it's very it's getting harder and harder for these uh, 
fools to, well, not fools, because they're actually quite sophisticated, these criminals to launder money because things like FTX are collapsing. Um, uh, Binance is being required to uh, implement tighter controls around know your, know your investor. Coinbase is US regulated, right? So the outlets that the Lazarus Group can go to fence their stolen wares are getting fewer and fewer. And when they have $500 million of stolen money from Ronin Infinity Bridge, um, or excuse me, Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge, they don't have places to go fence it. So now they're sitting on this digital currency, which by the way, has no value or utility. They need to get it transferred into a currency that's actually usable in our global economy. Uh, and they're getting caught doing it. So awesome for them. The one thing that really uh, also annoys me is that um, these threat actors, Lazarus Group, are using social engineering tr tricks or, or techniques to deceive employees of cryptocurrency companies into downloading rogue apps. Dude, are you freaking kidding me? You work for a fintech company. How are you getting tricked into downloading fake applications? Like how, like, dude, if I was in charge of a fintech company's information security program, there would be no BYOD. There would be corporate owned devices only. You would have no ability to install anything on it. And I don't care if that's a problem. And if you need to, you're going to get shunned to some, you know, VP. I mean, if you need to be on a non-corporate owned device or go install some weird application for whatever, I'm going to shun you to a VLAN segment that has access to nothing. And you can play in your filthy sandbox and do whatever you want. And when you're done, I'm either going to wipe your machine or I'm going to leave you on that shun segment. And you're not going to get to the good stuff, right? Like... I get that we've got to move fast and break things, but dude, your entire company is a freaking vaporware currency and it's a financial company. You have no you have no reason to introduce these type of risks in this type of business model. And they're making billions of dollars. Crying out loud, man, you can afford to do this. Or hey, here's an idea. Do information security awareness training to your end users. Don't install random apps. Like how do you do like I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I lost my mind several times on this story. It's just, it's just, there's just so much frustrating and annoying about this story. But way to go, FBI. Says hackers stole encrypted backups and MFA settings. Go-to CEO Patty Srinivasan confirmed that last August's security breach affecting its LastPass affiliate had a much broader impact than originally reported. The hack resulted in theft of account usernames, salted and hashed passwords, product settings, and licensing information. Additionally, encrypted backups were exfiltrated from a third-party cloud storage service along with the encryption key for a portion of the backups. Stolen backups affected its Central, Pro, Join.me, Hamachi, and Remotely Anywhere products. Also, a small number of Rescue and GoToMyPC customers had their MFA settings compromised. GoTo says it's resetting passwords and MFA settings for affected customers. The company is also migrating accounts to a more secure identity management platform. Okay. They're migrating their accounts to a more secure identity management platform. How, how much, like, it, again, like, it's one of those things where it's like, and I talked about this yesterday on stream, like, hey, we need you to invest in this, like, uh, moving to this identity platform. It's going to cost this much for the tech, this much for the project to transition, and this much kind of friction for the organization. Absolutely not, nerd.
Go get your get your clipboard and checklist and get the hell out of here. And then this happens and they're like, nerd, nerd, come help me, nerd. And it's like, you can't say I told you so, but for Christ's sakes, guys, like if we had just done this, we would have reduced the likelihood and the impact. It's called risk. We would have reduced it. But I failed you, business, in not properly communicating that this is the reality of what happens when you don't do the things. So... I guess, you know, if you're using, guys, I'm all sorts of fired up today. I don't know what, what, I don't know what Starbucks put in this coffee this morning, but they are, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been dosed. As I take another huge slug of it. Okay. So check it out. If you're using any of these products, um, which are all like rolled up products here. So, uh, central, I guess pro join me, Hamachi remotely anywhere. Uh, it's part of the log me in product suite. Uh, you may have been involved with this. You should be uh, communicated to by the business, but there's chances that if it's like a download your own self and install product, you may not know. Um, several encrypted backups were taken. Uh, an encryption key was taken. I'm glad that was laying around for those guys to get. Uh, what's good is salted and the passwords were salted and hashed. If it was just hashed, we could use tools like John the Ripper or you know, rainbow tables or anything to look it up. Um, you shouldn't be reusing uh, passwords across across uh, systems. Um, anyways, they're investigating it. Based on the investigation, we have detected unusual activity within our development, third-party cloud. All right, so go to pass and it's affiliate LastPass. All right, so that's LastPass just what like LastPass just washed all the mud off their body from that recent incident, and now and now um, they're getting like just another bucket of yuck thrown at them. So basically, this is just a complex crap story that's affecting a lot of people. It does show you that in the kind of entangled ecosystem of third-party services and cybersecurity products, that when one Business gets hit, others can be affected, as seen here. Um, I would just, if I were you, if you use any of these products, I would go to the uh, notice online and see if there's any type of action to take. You'll probably be forced to change certain passwords. Um, you may want to investigate changing vendors, potentially, if this was too much of an acceptable impact for you. When they say rescue and go to my PC encrypted databases were not exfiltrated, okay, that's cool. But for the databases that were exfiltrated, um, see, exfiltrated encrypted backups from third-party cloud cloud storage services. So when I see remote access solutions, I don't think of cloud storage. I think of like facilitating a remote access session. So I'm not sure, and this is my ignorance of their product offering. I'm not sure what cloud store, like what you're storing, like what what was actually exfilled in the data encrypted data backups. Um, so be mindful of that. Again, it here's my thing, guys. Like if you're at, if you're finding out about this story and finding out that it affects you and now you're thinking about like, oh my gosh, what was in there? Are we at risk? Like you have, you're doing it backwards. You should be doing like risk and awareness and where is your data, asset inventory, all the boring things that we talk about. You should be doing it before you do things like that. So when this happens, which does happen, it is part of the risk profile. When this happens, you instantly know, or you, you're very quickly able to calculate what is, how bad is this? 
And what do we need to do to get away from being in a bad situation? Okay, that's the final thing. At a macro level, when you see this, if, if this is like, you're like, oh crap, I should, figure, I should figure out what we're doing here. Like, with all due respect, clean up your mess, move on, but then really think about what you're doing and apply, <laughs> apply, please apply fundamental GRC practices. Like, identify and protect is left of boom. Identify and protect should be done before bad things happen. So you're enabled to handle the bad things in a much more deliberate, um, you know, risk reducing manner, right? Like like a, a perfect tactical example, right? When your system goes down, right? You get ransomware or whatever. What is the first system that you restore? This isn't a trivia question. There is no right answer. It's business specific. But if you don't know what the first system you're supposed to bring up is, that's a problem. They do have to come up in a certain order. Some systems have dependencies on other systems. Some systems make money for the business. Some systems are nice to have and don't really matter, even though it's going to piss Carl off. Do you understand? It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's business continuity planning 101. You're supposed to do a business impact assessment and then map down to the technologies that serve those business processes. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like all, I, I am all sorts of out, out of control today. Riot Games refuses to pay ransom for stolen source code. Riot Games said Tuesday that it received a ransom email following last week's cyber attack, but indicated that it refuses to pay. The video game developer said that source code for its League of Legends and Team Light Tactics games was exfiltrated during the attacks, but no player or personal data was compromised. The company expressed concerns that the hack could cause new game cheats to emerge, but says it's prepared to quickly deploy fixes if that happens. And now, all right, uh, real, real quick. I, I do want to say um, I'm hearing right now that um, BSEC was involved in a tornado. I guess he wrestled the tornado earlier this morning or yesterday. Uh, good, 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 good on you, BSEC. I feel like BSEC's the guy mowing the lawn. You ever seen that meme? There's like a guy mowing the lawn. There's like a huge, huge like F5 twister in the background. He's like, this is fine. That's BSEC. He's like, Hold on, where's my, where's my, this is fine dog. There he is. That's BSEC mowing his lawn. That's BSEC. BSEC's like, got to get this lawn mowed if I'm going to get to Friday Night Lights. Ain't got time for no tornado. Tornado wrangler, yeah. He looks like um, the guy from Dr. Strangelove riding the rocket down, except it's BSEC riding the tornado. All right, Riot Games receives ransom email as stored in source code. All right, I love that Riot Games is like telling the hackers to like suck it. Yes, thank you, Justin Gold. Like, Riot Games is telling the hackers, like, you know what? F you. Suck it. What are you going to do with our source code? You're going to launch a League of Legends competitor game? No. You're going to find some cheats and hacks? Go ahead. Get in line. We deal with that on the regular. So, um, good. Yep. Thank you, EHUE01, for the sub. So, um, you know, shout out. Like, saw this a couple days ago, Riot Games. Uh, basically, victims are standing up to their bullies and saying, no, no mas, no more, okay? Um, with the way that video games work nowadays, obviously, there's the base source code, which isn't going to change, but they're constantly doing DevOps. They're constantly changing um, the game uh, and changing the source code, so it's a point in time. We don't even know, like, when the... When the, when the um, 
when the threat actors send proof of life, right? Send uh, a piece of the source code. You don't even know if they have the entire code base or if they just have a couple pieces of the code base, right? Um, so it might not even be uh, valuable. I love this. Twitter account, we're not gonna pay. All right, ready, boom. Today we received a ransom email. We won't pay. Love it, love it, love it. Here's my thing, guys. We are seeing a decline in ransomware attacks, ransomware payments, ransomware uh, effectiveness. We do attribute it to uh, increasing insurance. We do attribute it to Russia attacking Ukraine and kind of like the top tier threat actors in the ransomware space pivoting their focus. But this is a trend as well. Businesses are getting better. It took them four or five years and a lot of people like me screaming into the ether about business um, excuse me, cyber resiliency, but they've got there and now they're now they're here and you can weather the storm, LOL. <laughs> just, to, just to use a term that's because uh, of the tornadoes, right? Weather the storm um, and be able to continue business operations. So good on Riot Games, stay tuned. You know, this may turn into another thing. Um, I feel like hackers are going to, um, I fixed it. I feel like hackers are going to, um, you know, some of them are probably going to get a little pissy that they went through all this effort and didn't get any money. Uh, maybe like try to like name and shame or spam or whatever. But, you know, this is what it is. We have seen a couple threat actor groups um, <clears throat> respond by creating fake lookalike websites as the victim and then posting the data there. <clears throat> Again, that takes level of effort and energy. Um, it's like <clears throat> it's like it. <clears throat> excuse me, it's like any legitimate business, right? Like you can do anything you want, but it takes time, energy, effort, people, knowledge, resources to do it. So if you want to create a fake website that looks like the victim and post their data, go ahead. But what's the value? Like, it's just, it's just to like thrash back and them not paying their, their ransom. Is there actually any value? Is there any return on investment for the threat actor other than feeling good that they got you? No. So like, go ahead, you know, so... <clears throat> That's the deal. All right, let's listen to the mid-roll. A word from our sponsor, SafeBase. Jumpstart your journey to long-lasting customer trust with SafeBase. Our smart trust center helps your organization build customer trust through improved transparency, secure document sharing, process control and insights, and proactive communication. Security and GRC leaders at companies like Jamf, Instacart, and Sneak all rely on SafeBase as a central enabler of their trust program. Learn more and check out the case studies at safebase.com. That's S-A-F-E-B-A-S-E.com. All right. It is the mid-roll. <clears throat> I have two things for you. <clears throat> Gosh dang. One, obviously. Guys, if you're getting entertainment value out of the show, if you're getting educational value out of the show, take a minute, hit that like button, guys. It's the easiest uh, way to say thanks Jerry it's the easiest way to say I like this content Jerry do more of this content Jerry uh, and also in the main reason I'm asking is because uh, by hitting the likes and getting to a certain threshold YouTube will send this stream to other cybersecurity people or people who have been searching for cybersecurity content on YouTube which will then alert them to what we're doing over here at Simply Cyber which will then bring them in and then we'll give them a warm hug and then we'll say welcome Welcome to Simply Cyber. Right, Shuttle Crab? Uh, thanks, Robert Moritz. Thanks again to Barricade Cyber Solutions for the um, the sponsor support. Thanks to Recon InfoSec for the sponsor support. 
thank you to ACI Learning for sponsoring Worldwide Wednesday segment. I do appreciate that. Um, guys, today, uh, I didn't have time to prep it, but I've got some good news and some bad news. All right? Here's the good news. No, 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 no. no hold on. The good news is at 11.30 a.m. today, I am doing a stream. We're going to be doing a Threat Gen Red versus Blue uh, tabletop exercise type stream with um, how, to, how to operate the red team side in a um, engagement using Threat Gen Red versus Blue. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, if you guys want to get some killer information on Monday morning from an email that I write, go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter and sign up. You can unsubscribe if you don't like it, but I basically provide you three actionable pieces of intel to destroy work on Monday morning. Holler at me. Holler in chat if you've got some value out of the newsletter and let other people know about it. Here's the bad news, guys. Sad, sad news. Um, so, I, oh, so here are the emotes, okay? I made this one. I got, a, I got us a chat GPT Hal emote. Here is the problem. The problem is you like you need certain number of members in in the squad to unlock emote slots. Now, it, it last month, Eric Taylor very generously uh, sent out 200 um, squad membership uh, gifts. Okay. And that unlocked a ton of things. And we were kind of like messing around trying to figure out if we wanted jaw jacking, if we wanted um, uh, this guy from uh, Breakfast Club. And a month went by and the subs fell off. So like we lost like 130 subs uh, last week or members. And the e emote slot locked. So I think if you fill it, it doesn't go away. But if you don't fill it and you don't have the threshold, it goes away. So unfortunately, I can't add Hal for our chat GPT right now. But when we do reach um, a certain number of members, I will put this in. Uh, if you guys are open to any other type of like uh, emotes or if you wanna do a, a poll to see if Hal wins, but an overwhelming number of people wanted chat GPT emotes and I thought the Hal one was good. So that's what's up with the emotes. I want you guys to know that I was uh, taking it seriously and doing what I said I would do. I just can't, I can't unlock the emote right now. I think, I think it's something like 24 more emotes or members. So be mindful of that. <clears throat> also, Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish. Let me know if you're in chat. I've got a perfect idea. <clears throat> I got a perfect idea for the uh, membership. I mean, for the, um, for the uh, meme of the week tomorrow, if you have a, an idea. All right, guys, so let's get back into the news. I want to thank all of you for being here. Genuinely appreciate all that you do. Let's get into it. Zero Trust will not mitigate over half of attacks. According to a new report from Gartner, just one in 10 large enterprises will have a mature and measurable Zero Trust program in place by 2026. Gartner warned that over the next three years, more than half of all cyber attacks will be focused in areas that zero trust controls don't mitigate. Gartner cited API attacks, social engineering, and exploitation of other employee-created control bypasses as examples of areas not protected by ZTAs. 
Despite this, Gartner says that ZTA still reduces risk and limits the impact of many threats. <clears throat> All right. So zero trust architecture was the the darling buzzword of, I would say, 2021. Uh, the, it's, it's in the pantheon with such phrases as next-gen firewall, single pane of glass. Um, what else? Uh, th there's been certain, like... It's just terms that you know the um the industry grabs hold of now they're saying well um, zero trust is good but it, it won't it won't stop half of attacks now i agree and disagree obviously i can't i can't um i'm not going to do it on stream where it's like well 50 percent seems kind of strong basically alana asks can we do a zero trust 101 episode i could there is a video on my channel i interviewed um oh my god what's his name Oh, I can't think of his name. He he goes by Dr. Zero Trust. Uh, he's a really cool uh, former Navy guy up in D.C. I can't think of his name right now. I, I don't really want to call him Dr. Zero Trust, uh, but he's a cool dude. And he's kind of like the Zero Trust expert um, in the space. He briefs like, you know, you know, federal politicians about stuff like that. <clears throat> so check it out. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Grab that link for everybody. Um, <clears throat> but basically, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, traditionally we had like the big thick perimeter wall, like firewall, and then the warm gooey center. So like most businesses were shaped like an M&M, right? Hard candy shell, soft gooey center. You get through there, crown jewels, everybody wins. Okay. Now with cloud-based systems, cloud architecture, remote workforce, BYOD, like all of these, uh, new dimensions of the modern IT infrastructure, has led to like that perimeter firewall not working, right? Like I can do my job and there is no like IT infrastructure. There isn't, there's nothing, right? So they needed a new solution. That's where zero trust architecture came from. Instead of having implicit trust to anybody inside the wall, you have to get explicit trust for any action. So um, you're basically securing the identity. It's almost like every single identity has a little firewall around them. And now all these people are walking around with little firewalls around them. And if you go to access a resource, you have to prove who you are. This is why toke, like session tokens are so important to like steal now. Um, this is why a multi-factor authentication is so important. The, these things, zero trust isn't a turnkey solution. Zero trust isn't something you just buy and implement. Zero trust is a essentially like a philosophical approach to a cybersecurity program of a a business or an organization, the people, the process, the technology. Okay. So the idea with zero trust is that you have like things like, um, secure web gateways, uh, meaning like in order to access something, you have to log in essentially to a choke point, um, through a web portal. And then once you authenticate there, then you can access different web applications. Think of like Citrix infrastructure, kind of, if you're familiar with that. So you can't just log into your OneDrive, right? or that's a terrible example. You can't log into like whatever cloud system you want. You have to log into some like front door portal and then you get access to those systems. Like that's that's one way also. Um, um, the identity, multi-factor authentication, conditional access, right? So BSEC is in Texas. He logs in, no big deal. BSEC is in China. He logs in, big deal, right? Like you flag it based on those conditions, right? So it's a very, it's a very dynamic way to approach it. Now, what they're saying in the story here is that zero trust doesn't block half of attacks. Again, I, I might push back on that. 
I think I think the story here is that a lot of businesses are not implementing zero trust architecture correctly or fully, or the business doesn't understand it and they think it's like it's just multi-factor authentication or something like that. Like you don't buy a zero trust architecture solution. You you implement it as an architecture of like approach. So that's the deal here. Um anyways. I will say, I mean, in most businesses, like zero trust architecture, like to take strip away the marketing and the buzzwords and crap like that, like the approach of it is actually sound. It does make sense, but it's a defense in depth, right? You don't just you don't just say, okay, like, you know, zero trust architecture will will harden the identities, but so we're now we're not gonna like encrypt our databases or configure our network devices correctly. No, like you still do all those things. You're just putting more emphasis and focus on the individual and the identity. Microsoft Office to block XLL add-ins. Microsoft is getting ready to improve the protection of Office users by automatically blocking XLL add-ins in Excel files. XLL add-ins are dynamic link library files written in C or C++ and can only be opened in Excel. In recent years, threat actors have been abusing these files to distribute malware, typically via phishing campaigns. Currently, the feature is only in development with worldwide rollout set for March of this year. All right. I am going to start uh, blasting through these. Uh, I did lose my mind at the beginning of the show, so I have i don't have a lot of time. I have a meeting in 14 minutes. Um, so this is cool. Uh, Microsoft Office is blocking uh, file formats from the internet. Sounds good. Uh, basically, I'm not familiar with XLL, but if it's anything like DLLs, which are dynamic link libraries, which get abused all the time, they're basically files that other programs use. You don't launch a DLL or an XLL. You launch a program or a service, and then it calls the XLL or the DLL to pull like whatever it needs. And like the whole concept between or behind this is that instead of every program having all the code it needs inside of it, the program has what it needs, and then there is a library available for other programs to access. So like very simple. Um, let's say like authenticating, uh, this is oversimplification, but like authenticating to active directory, right? Like let's say an application needs to authenticate to active directory. You're not going to have the code to authenticate to active directory built into every single one. No, Microsoft windows will just have a dynamic link library that handles how to authenticate with a function call. And the application will call that DLL knowing that it's on the computer and then leverage it and then get a result and then keep moving. This is why sometimes when you like are doing something in an application and you get an error, it doesn't happen as often anymore, but it used to happen all the time. And the computer application just pukes on itself and it says like DLL not found or whatever. That's because it's literally trying to access a function in a file to be able to do something that is not on the computer. And that's why you got to go download you know, a DLL or update your files or something like that. Um, that's the deal here. But, you know, whatever. Good. I'm glad Microsoft is blocking stuff from the internet. Make it hard for Carl to do dumb stuff. DragonSpark uses Go-based tool to evade detection. Sentinel Labs has detected a hacking group dubbed DragonSpark, leveraging a stealthy and a little-known open-source tool called SparkRat to steal sensitive data from compromised systems. SparkRat is a Golang-based open-source tool that can run on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux to enable remote access. The Go script uses a payload called Meterpreter, which evades static analysis by allowing code to execute without first compiling it. 
The threat actors are using the tool to exploit exposed MySQL database servers in China, Taiwan, and Singapore, and then launching additional attacks. All of the open source tools used by DragonSpark were developed by Chinese authors. All right, so uh, Golang-based malware, we're seeing more and more of that. I'm not saying you got to go learn Golang, but it's certainly being used quite a bit by threat actors. Um, yeah, exactly, Justin Loken. I'm about to say that. Um, it, you know, I guess it avoids detection. Um, here's the thing, guys. This is as, as, as sexy as this like AI-generated golden dragon is, and he looks fierce, or she looks fierce. What I read out of this story is they search for vulnerable MySQL and web server endpoints, okay, which you can use Shodan for, okay? So it's already vulnerable. Then they deploy a web shell through SQL injection, cross-site scripting, or web server vulnerabilities, okay? No big deal. They're already finding vulnerable MySQL and web server. So, and then they use an interpreter. So it sounds like, I hate to you know, I hate to poo-poo on this or downplay it. Sounds like they're using Metasploit because they launch a meta-interpreter uh, to access the thing. If you can use, I mean, I don't know. To me, this feels like Hacker 101, right? Like like if you're going to really become pen tester or a black hat hacker, search Shodan for vulnerable systems, fire up Metasploit, point it at your victim and hit run, and then it pops, right? I mean, that's what's going on. Um, they do say that Sparkrat uh, is a C2 in, uh, framework that actually does 26 commands. So that is a little bit more advanced than just uh, Hacker 101. So I do want to give them credit for that. It is Chinese-based. It is targeting. It sounded like it's targeting mostly Asian countries. I thought I heard that here. Yeah. Um, China, Taiwan, and Singapore um, to launch their attacks. So maybe they're they're... They're doing this to actually, so this is like Hacker 301. So they're not launching it from their own computers. They're actually taking compromised assets and launching their attacks from there. So that's, that is a advanced move, right? That's a good move. That way, if you trace it back to like a company in Taiwan, they're like, I don't know anything about this. And it's probably true because they're being basically put on like a suit and worn as a, as a victim. So I don't know, I guess be mindful of this. This is just kind of, to me, this is just like an interesting going on in the ecosystem. Uh, probably not affecting many of you, but it is worth noting um, that there's been an uptick in activity. Plus, it's got the cool AI. Live Nation blames bot attacks for Taylor Swift fiasco. Mm -hmm. Back in November, Ticketmaster systems were crippled when hordes of Taylor Swift fans attempted to buy tickets for the singer's upcoming U.S. tour. On Tuesday, Live Nation's CFO told the Senate Judiciary Committee that Ticketmaster services were affected by triple the amount of bot traffic they'd ever previously experienced. Additionally, the company's verified fan access code servers were targeted. The explanation comes amid speculation that the federal government may take antitrust action against the company. We'll see if Live Nation is able to shake it off. Oh, nice! Nice little, a little T-Swift joke there for those who are, uh, you know, in the know. Uh, I was actually listening to Cornelia Street this morning. Hey, you know what? I, if I'm transparent, if not, if not anything else, okay? I, I did listen to Cornelia Street while I was getting my kids' water bottles ready for school today. It's a good song, okay? I do love The Midnight, but occasionally I, I like to mix in a little T-Swift, okay? It's, it's a fact. Don't judge me, all right? So here's the deal. Um, 
Live Nation, Ticketmaster, they had a hot mess express a couple months ago where basically Taylor Swift went on concert and was like instantly sold out. And nobody who actually was a T-Swift fan won or, 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 or like got any of the tickets, right? It was all resellers and stuff like that. Um, I, I got to tell you, they said it bought a tech, but dude, follow the money. Cash, homie. Dude, if you can resell the tickets for anything more than what you bought them for, right? So like one and a half markup, that is a straight, uh, like that's like pure profit, right? Like I buy it for a dollar and I sell it to you for $2. Like it's pure profit. And if I can buy all the tickets and then sell them all for double what I paid, I'm going to make a lot of money. Um, I, I personally, and this is, this is probably not fair. This is probably not fair. Okay. Hold on. Let me get some music up in here. It's probably not fair, but personally, I think Ticketmaster and Live Nation are greedy, disgusting, capitalistic, just awful, awful. Dude, have you ever bought tickets from Ticketmaster? It's like, oh, the ticket's like $75. You're like, oh, that's kind of expensive, but I really love the midnight. I'll go to, I'll go to the concert. And then it's like $40 in fees that like make no sense. It's like there's like a service fee, a handling fee, a production fee, uh, a, a management fee. It's like, what the hell is all this fees? And it's just like, you know, like, mm, mm, I'm just taking your money. And like they 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 do have a monopoly on it. You can't freaking buy tickets to these concerts without going through them. It's gross, dude. It's gross. I hope they get I hope they get busted up. I hope they get busted up. I don't know how they I don't know how they fix it. But I don't know how they fix it, but I hope they get busted up because it's, it's, I don't even go to, I told you guys yesterday on Tidbits Tuesday, I used to go to the Roots, con I've been to a lot of concerts, but I really like the Roots. I haven't been to a concert since like probably like mid 2000s. Partly I, I don't have a lot of time, but also like F you man. I'm not like, I want the money to go to the freaking artist. I don't want the money to go to like whatever you are. You, you capitalist like I'm all hey don't get me wrong I'm all for capitalism like I think best of market um first to market like good products like I feel I feel like capitalism does have a place and it's healthy but when you start exploiting the consumer base because you have a monopoly or because you can that I get off the bus there okay all right guys it's 8 55 I got a 9 a.m meeting so let me take a hot minute um is Alyssa Knight in chat right now? Alyssa Knight, are you in chat? Let's say what's up. I got two minutes and then I'm going to boogie out of here, guys. Robert Morris canceled his order. Greed is evil. All right, damn. Uh, drip pricing restaurants are doing it now, too, after you're done eating. 50% econ economic recovery fee. Yeah. Oh, hey, Alyssa. Let's give Alyssa a little love, people. Alyssa. Actually, you know what? I use this one rarely, Alyssa, but this is Alyssa coming into sh into chat. Right? Al Alyssa, I don't know if you're going to see this on stream, but like Alyssa's just like, like, just like kick the door open. Pull the, like kick a hole in the speaker, pull the plug and then jet. My Wu-Tang people in the house. All right, William Ayers. All right, Alyssa. Good to see you. All right, Kimberly, I hope all's wake. K. Scott Powell, hope the recovery's going well, buddy. Tom Bishop, nice to see you. Carrie, congratulations again on your certification. Absolutely nailing it. All right. 
Guys, you're welcome to stay in chat. Have a good time. Have a great day. It is Wednesday. I hope to see you at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time for the uh, Red versus Blue stream that I'll be doing. If not, uh, we will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time. I am teaching tomorrow morning, so the Daily Cyber Threat Brief will be at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Hope you can join us. No Thursday Simply Cyber Live tomorrow. Um, programming note. And then Friday, we'll do our regular 8 a.m. stream. All right, everybody, be good. Let's end on a high note here. Is this a good one? Let's do this one. All right. No, I don't like that one. Hold on. Yeah, this is good. We'll see you guys uh, later today. Take care, everybody.